This is the How Did You Get Into That Podcast with Graham Baldwin, episode 21. Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That Podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. Well, welcome, my friends, to episode 21. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever's happening in your world, uh, maybe you're driving into work right now and you're just like, I hate my job. I've got to get out of this. I hope this podcast is just encouraging. I hope it's uh, helping you think through what what is it that you really want to do? I hope that you're realizing and understanding that there's more to life than just going to cubicle land and that we all have the opportunity to find and do work that you love. And I hopefully that would include you. And I'm going to tell you it does. Hopefully, though, that you're beginning to see that in yourself. So today we've got a great episode, uh, episode 21 with Dane Sanders. Really good stuff today. I'm really excited to share with you. But again, first of all, hey, I I just want to, I know I say it a lot, but I I just want to really say thanks. And uh, I really appreciate you listening and tuning in. Really means a lot. And I know that you're busy. I know that you have a lot going on. I know that there's plenty of things that you could be doing with your time. But for whatever reason, uh, these podcasts and these episodes are hopefully helping you out and encouraging and inspiring you. So uh, thanks for being a part of this journey with us. Hey, uh, if you are that person, you're going, man, I'm in this dead-end job, but I hate it right now. Uh, I know I'm getting emails from people every single day, and you can always email me, grant at grantbaldwin.com, and just trying to figure out, I, I hate my job. What do I do now? One of the things that we've done is we've created a list of of five questions to help you find and do work that you love. So if you're going, man, I I just have no idea. I just need some clarity. I need some direction. I need to try to figure out what that next step might be. I'd encourage you to swing by grantbaldwin.com slash questions. Grantbaldwin.com slash questions. You can download. Uh, There's no strings attached. It's free to do. Just put in your email. We will email you the five questions to help you find and do work you love. So make sure that you check that out. Again, grantbaldwin.com slash questions. Questions. All right, so today we are uh, we're hanging out with my buddy Dane Sanders. Dane is a uh, he's a photographer. He's a kind of a creative dude. He's a writer. He's a podcaster. He's got his hand in a few different things. But the, part of what we talk about today with Dane is the importance of mastery of deepening your skill sets instead of just kind of chasing enjoyment, instead of just uh, doing something, oh, this is kind of fun. And it starts with enjoyment. But once you really kind of get into something, really taking it deeper and figuring out how do I really become a master of this skill set? So I'm not just kind of the, again, this jack of all trades with the master of none, but I'm picking a, you know one, two things that I'm really, really good at. And this is a theme that we've talked through with a, a lot of different guests of people who said, I, I really became good at this one thing. And then once I became good at this one thing, it allowed me to go other directions. So trying to think, what are the areas of your life? What's one or two things in your life that you could really become known for? What's the a skill set that you have that you really, really bring to the table that you could really go deep and master? So a uh, really great conversation with Dane. I think you'll enjoy it. You can uh, check out the show notes, links, everything that we discuss and talk about, grantbaldwin.com slash Dane Sanders. Again, that's grantbaldwin.com slash Dane Sanders. All right, let's get to this. Hope you enjoy this episode with Dane. Here it is. All right, welcome. Thanks for hanging out with us. We are here today with uh, my friend Dane Sanders. Dane is this uber creative photographer, entrepreneur. Just kind of got this. He's got a, his hands in a lot of different things. Just a super smart, good, good guy. Super excited to have him on the show today. Dane, welcome, my friend. Thank you, Grant. Really glad to be here. Cool. Well, uh, like I mentioned, you, you you got photography, and you've also you do a lot of work with just kind of helping creatives. You're an entrepreneur. You, you've got a kind of a software thing you're working on. How would you describe what it is that you do today? 
I think that that is the, the the cocktail party question that you're describing, I think is something that plagues a lot of us. I'm one of them. You and I have talked offline about this idea. I have a hunch a lot of your listeners can relate to this. When people say, so what do you do? Uh, the new economy kind of messes with people. Uh, we don't have these easy kind of industrialized boxes to to answer that question, like I sell insurance or I'm a plumber. Uh, there are plumbers out there and there are insurance salesmen out there, but I think the smart business person, the savvy person out there, they they try not to identify themselves with a particular industry because so many industries are just eroding. They're just falling apart. Um, right. And how does the individual get stronger in the midst of a world that is in such change, such tectonic shifts going on? And I think the easiest way to do that is to not try to get your identity from a category, but really identify the actual skills that you bring to the table that are transferable in any context. So I spend a lot of my energy around storytelling, for example, and my trade is photography. So I do that visually. I write. Those are core technologies that I leverage all the time, image making, storytelling, leveraging words. I take a lot of time around oration. So like giving talks, talking on podcasts, interviewing people. These are core skills that uh, transfer radically in a ton of different contexts. So I do a lot of consulting. I do a lot of like both small and big. I have uh, contracts with local people that I take photographs for. So I run a little photo business. I write books. I travel and speak. I do a lot of things. But thankfully, I have kind of a cohesive hole that all this falls under. And it allows me to generate revenue streams from a number of places but creatively, I also get these outlets where I feel more fulfilled as a person and, and really get, I'm getting better at what I do, Yeah, uh, which is super fulfilling. No, I think that's, that's a super cool way of looking at it because there's so many people I, I've talked to. I talked with a buddy last night. And I was kind of helping him. He's 29. I was kind of helping him think through you know, what he wants to do with his life. And, and he's like, you know, I don't know. I've, I've, I'm, there's a lot of different things that I'm interested in, a lot of different things that I'm good at. So to pigeonhole myself and say, you know, this is it. This is the one thing I want to do forever. He's like, I'm not that guy, you know, and I don't think I am either. I don't think you are where, you know, like today I enjoy speaking and I enjoy doing the podcast. But, you know, six months ago, the podcast wasn't even on my radar. So I think we're guys that we find our the, kind of these skill sets, these things that we're into. We work on those skill sets and then we figure out what, what can I do with these instead of figuring out, well, this I'm going to do this one thing. I'm going to pigeonhole myself here and feel trapped doing this thing for the next, you know, X amount of years and, and find myself maybe not enjoying it as much. Well, yeah, you bring up a really important point, this idea of enjoying it and, you know, how important is that? Someone who's really influenced my thinking lately about this is Cal Newport. Uh, he wrote this book called uh, So Good They Can't Ignore You. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners have, have heard of the book, maybe have read it. But one of the things that he talks about in there is this kind of your motivation. Are you motivated to follow your passions or are you motivated to be a craftsman? And it's a subtle distinction, but it's really significant. I think there's a lot of folks, and I've made this mistake plenty over my my career, where I thought the goal was to just follow my passion, go do what I want to do. And in fact, I was just at Starbucks this morning, and I saw some Oprah quote that said something like, follow your passions and you'll find your purpose or something pithy. A lot of peas going on. There you go. Uh, but in that, I think that there is a bit of a myth there. Like, I do believe that people have signature strengths and that they can leverage those things thoughtfully. But the frame that you view those things, am I just here to, to fulfill my passions as a person? Is that really it? Or do I get to enjoy my life more when I have this craftsman mindset where I commit to a deeper engagement with, with certain skills? 
And Cal does a really nice job of, I don't know him, so I'm speaking like we're buddies. <laughs> there you go. But what he, he does a really nice job of grounding his, his thoughts in some good research to suggest that people who follow their passions, many oftentimes don't enjoy their life very often. They feel burdened by the thought, thing that they thought they were going to love, or they, they get into it and they realize they have other affections, and then they shift, shift, shift so often that they never really find a grounding. And he makes the case like you're actually going to find your happiness, not in that, in the following your happy, like trying to chase the happy, but really uh, finding some skills that would could make a difference and and really in a disciplined, concrete way, digging into those things where you you will discover the happiness through mastering it. Yeah. In terms of, in terms of the mastery is actually far more powerful than passion. Well, I think that's, I think there's a lot of truth there for sure that just because you pursue something you're passionate about, it doesn't guarantee you success. And in the same way, there's some things that we may be passionate about that would not translate to careers at all. And it's like that idea of like, there's some things I like, I like ice cream, I like sugar, I like candy, I like sweets. But if I just ate that all day, every day, I wouldn't be the beautiful specimen that I am today. So it's, <laughs> it's just because you're, you're really, really into something at one level doesn't mean you should take it up to a totally different level that is just no longer as much enjoy, isn't as much a, a fun thing for you to do anymore. Well, and it, but it's not just fun. Like, I think part of it is like, if you, the most fun thing you can do, like if, if I could pick anything that I would be really, I would find fun. I would like to play basketball like LeBron James. I think that would be amazing. I right? can see that in you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but the trick is, the reason we look at heroes like that is because they have, you know, they have remarkable talent and that can be kind of distracting in this regard. But just think of people who are just masters at what they do. They really have joy. They have fun. It just flows out of them. They're not doing it to get the joy. They're just exercising their mastery. And out of the mastery, the side product is the, the kind of enjoyment that they get out of it. I think that's what's so, so key and so deceiving when people follow their dreams and are discouraged that like, why aren't people paying me to exist? Why can't I just be what I want to be and have people write me checks? And we don't live in a world where entitlements play like that. We, right. we live in a world, a ruthless world, where if you're not providing value at every turn, people won't pay you anything. And they shouldn't. And from that perspective, it becomes, you know, people get sober really quick. Like, well, what are the, like Todd Henry likes to describe passion in the old fashioned way, where it's about what skills are you willing to suffer for? Like what are worth your time so much that you'd be willing to pay the price to go do that every day, even if you aren't going to get paid? And I think folks who do that and really dig in and lower their costs of living and keep their day job if they need to or do whatever that is required so that they can dig at a mastery level, I think what they find is they enjoy that, that stuff a lot more because yeah. they're... They're performing at a high level. Yeah. But, on, but on top of that, they also can get creative and clever around how can they leverage those concrete skills that very few people have because they didn't put the work in to stand out from the crowd. Yeah. Great thoughts. Let's back up for a second here because I know, you know you've, you've got your hand in a few things today, but growing up, what was it that you wanted to be or what kind of trajectory or what kind of career path were you on? It's a good question. So undergrad, I don't know when growing up starts. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know that it ever starts or finishes. Know. So somewhere in college, I dropped out and was wandering around the planet. I found myself, I grew up in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, like East Coast Canada, kind of near Anna Green Gables land. Wow. In case you have any female listeners out there, they, they might remember <laughs> that from kid land. But uh, I found myself, I was an athlete in college and I'm six feet tall and my, it was a, uh, played men's volleyball and uh, there's a lot of really good athletes in my team, some Olympians, and I knew my career was coming to an end. 
And I was disenchanted, didn't know what to do. So I started wandering around and I found myself in, in Australia wandering around and had some radical shifts in my faith commitment, embraced a particular faith tradition that was, has become very significant to me. But I ended up uh, coming back, finishing off college and I got a degree in marketing and marketing was, I was pretty good at it. Like, especially the kind of marketing, which was how to manipulate people to buy things they don't need. And I felt very gross in that. Like, I didn't like that that was a skill set that I was decent at. And I basically did the worst possible thing you could do, which was I went and studied philosophy in grad school. So if you're smart, if you're listening out there and you're in college, go study philosophy in undergrad and go to business school at graduate level. <laughs> and you, you might be a better, better shape than I was. So I was basically on this trajectory towards unemployment. And, but because I studied philosophy, I ended up putting myself in a position where I could teach and I got a job at a liberal arts college and I was teaching leadership and character development, loved it. Uh, I had a student who picked up a camera and handed me it to me and I started fiddling around and learning and kind of ruined my academic career. And I jumped ship from there to this photo world. Then I started smuggling the leadership stuff into what I was doing and started writing books and traveling and speaking and representing companies and uh, running my little photo business on the side. I ended up working at a couple institutions, a church and a university on the side too. And, and I kind of piecemealed my life. So I, I don't know if my trajectory is the one you want to follow, but I would say that because it's not very predictable, but I think that the thread line through it is I've been a learner and that kind of approach to how can I get super enthusiastic around the skill set that's in front of me so that I could work toward mastery. I keep repeating that because it's so compelling to me. Yeah. I can't tell you how often, like my work as a a leadership professor has impacted my work as a photographer. That sounds crazy, but interacting with people, concerning myself with character, knowing how to teach people and translating that to how I do customer service. It's amazing how transferable skills of communication can make such a big difference in regular business life. And, and even like storytelling, like how do you keep 18 to 20 year olds attention for two hours in a, on a warm afternoon? Well, now turn around and try to convert a lead into a, a great repeat customer. Right. All these kinds of tasks, really, if you boil it all down and chuck it down, it comes down to skills. And I've been somebody who is actively collecting those skills and improving on them. You took like several years of life and boiled it down really, really quick there. Let's go in a little further there. So you go to Australia there. Are you, so you're basically realizing, okay, volleyball career is coming to an end. At that point, are you just, where, where are you in the college process? Are you, you nearing graduation? Oh, I wish that were true. I did my freshman year and then uh, quit, went, did this thing for like traveling and, and kind of living, yeah, <laughs> wandering about. And then I uh, came back and did my sophomore year during my junior year. So you come and, back from Australia, you come back from that just whirlwind travels. Are you coming back kind of rejuvenated, feeling like, okay, I've got at least a little more direction and purpose? Or are you still just kind of feeling like, all right, let's just try something else. Let's throw something else against the wall and see if this sticks. Yeah. Again, I... When I look at 20-somethings these days, they are so focused and on task. And I, I wasn't that guy. I mean, I, I went to college because of sports. And I picked my major because the girl in front of me in line was cute. And she picked that major. Like, it's awesome. Uh, like, like I, 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 it's just lame. <laughs> like, it, it's awesome when it's somebody else's story. But when it's yours, you're like, oh, man, look at the opportunity they missed. So I was a late bloomer. And I the only reason I got to college was because of sports. And somewhere in the middle of that, I woke up. So like making the turn to start studying philosophy that came out of really what it came out of was, you know, I, I became a Christian and I, and then I had a friend say like, well, so you bought into this faith tradition. You might want to find out what that's about. And so I had to think about what I was thinking 
And uh, I, I wasn't one of these blind faith guys. I wanted to really dig in. And that introduced me to this whole world of learning. And I, my mind caught on fire and I got really excited about it. So I wish I had this kind of clean trajectory, but the truth is I bumped around a lot. Well, I think and, that's, I think that's everybody's trajectory. You know, I think like at the time you like, you hope that, well, here's A and then I'm going to B and then I'm going to C and then I'm going to D and it just kind of all works itself out. But you know, realistically for most of us, it's like that, that old analogy of, you know, where I am and then the dot to success. And it wasn't a straight line. It was, I was all over the map. And even then I didn't even arrive at success, you know, uh, hypothetically. So, you know, it sounds like your story is very much so many people's stories, people that, you know, have been on the show, people that I've interviewed and talked to and people that you and I both know, and it's never clean. It's never pretty. Like it's never just this, polished process of arriving and succeeding in life. But it was, I tried this and it worked. I tried that and it didn't work. And then I ended up here and then somehow this led to this. And, and so even, you know, so, so you finish college, you've got, you're doing the philosophy thing, then you're going to grad school for philosophy, right? That's right. And then, then you get into teaching at the liberal arts college. What was it? So whenever someone hand a student hands you the camera, what's that moment like for you? Well, it was more experiment. So I have this great gig, uh, living in Santa Barbara, teaching, And, uh, but I, you know, what's interesting about higher education is I'm enough of an activist where I want to go do something. And so much about higher education, especially liberal arts, higher education is really not about going and doing something. It's about being, it's about becoming something. This is why so many liberal arts grads struggle to find a job right out of the gate, but they tend to really flourish in life once they think about what they want to do and make concrete deliberate decisions because they know how to learn. They know how to think. So it doesn't give you the quick answer, but it gives you the long game answer. And I love that. So I would get curious about things. And I'd always been curious about photography. It always felt foreign to me. And because I was on faculty, I got to take free courses in darkroom photography and Photoshop and just started. And then some opportunities came my way where the student was getting all these gigs and he needed extra help. And he went on to drop out of school and become this gazillionaire. I did really well as a photographer and then started a software company. And I was watching and learning from this kid who was like 10 years younger than me and discovered like, oh, wow, there's a lot of opportunity for me too, if I wanted to to go that road. But it's terrifying to be an entrepreneur, as you know, man, like the highs are high and the lows are low and there's no kind of safety net. No. And so these people who kind of look up at people and go, wow, aren't they awesome? It is a crazy risky game. We ought to celebrate the entrepreneur more often. But, but there is no, you're not like on rails. You're flying off a cliff and you're building your wings mid-flight. And that's yep. not, not, not everyone's kind of preference or cup of tea, which I appreciate. But I will say having an entrepreneurial spirit and a willingness to go, well, what if I could get creative? What if I could build wings mid-flight? What would, I, what would, I, what would they look like? Yeah. Those folks tend to, they could be like micro-entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs within a business, but they're resourceful. They're curious. They're creative. And I think those folks are the ones who are going to win in the new economy. So you're, you're teaching at the liberal arts school at that time, or you just thinking, well, I'm just going to, this is it. I found it. I'm going to be a professor for a while. Or is this just, you're just buying time? Well, no, I thought that was going to be it. And I thought, you know, isn't this great? I had this side gig where I could, you know, shoot weddings or portraits and, and uh, that was fun. And I had a day job, so I didn't have to worry about getting a whole bunch of clients, but I could charge more than a lot of other people did who had to get a gig. And that was working great. And then I got recruited. A buddy of mine runs this pretty big church down in Southern California. And they had like thousands of 20-somethings and who go to this church, was a bit, which was a bit of an anomaly in this part of the world. And he basically turned to me and said, hey, the stuff you're doing around character development with, say, 100 kids a year, what if you could do the same thing with thousands of kids a year? Would that be interesting to you? 
And I was really intrigued. So I left higher ed, took my photography with me on the side, came and worked at this church, but not in that traditional role. I, I was there to do kind of more of this leadership and character development stuff and had a love-hate relationship with it. I didn't like being a professional Christian, getting paid to believe something, yep. <laughs> but, but I really liked the culture. I'm still a part of that place, that community and, and love it, but I don't work there anymore. And somewhere in the mix, it just made sense for me to become more entrepreneur, 100% entrepreneur. And I did that extended for a long time. More recently, I actually taken an, a, a gig with my alma mater. They've asked me to come on board and I help raise money for them. But again, it's so cool to have this combination of revenue sources and de-signify where the revenue sources are coming from and really signify what are the skills that I can leverage in all these different places to get a return on my investment. Yeah. And, uh, that, does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. I was going to say that seems like a really big theme for you that it's like, I'm going to, it's never like I'm doing something. Now I'm going to completely quit that and then go over here and do that thing. And then I'm going to do that for a bit until that's no longer fun. And then I'm going to completely quit that. And then I'm going to shift gears again. But it's more like I'm doing this. This is fun. Uh, but that's kind of cool over there. And I think I, I would like to learn that skill. I'd like to de- build and develop that skill. So let's keep doing this first thing, maybe scale it back a little bit. So I free up some, some capacity to learn this new skill and see how I can kind of leverage that or do something with that. And so today, fast forward, and you've got, you know, all these various skills that allow you to do a bunch of different things. That's right. And, and I mean, I haven't worked for uh, Westmont College since 2006, but I haven't stopped teaching leadership and character development at every stop along the way. This is the shift I think in people's mindset is don't attach what you do to some institution that may or may not be around in 20 years. That's not who you are. Who you are is what you carry when the institution isn't there regardless. Do I still have capacities with a, with a camera, whether or not I pick up a camera? Absolutely. When I do podcasting, here, it's funny. I, I started getting into podcasting and I, I worked, got some consulting from a, someone who's become a really close friend. And he runs a, a podcast every day called The Daily Audio Bible. His name's Brian Harden. And it's a phenomenon. I mean, this guy literally, all he does is get up and read the Bible and talk about it every day live. And he gets like 500,000 uniques daily. Like, it, like it's ridiculous, like 64 million downloads, like the same people are coming back. So, but 64 million people have downloaded. You can go to dailyautobible.com. It's this phenomenon. And we started talking about it and I was like trying to get my head around what, what would a professional grade podcast sound like and how do you do it? And this guy has been this freak of nature and he was so funny. He's like, well, you're a photographer, right? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, you know, layering audio is the same as layering images in Photoshop. And, and as soon as he said that metaphor, I was like, of course, and my capacity as a as an audio broadcaster went up like tenfold in a moment because I took the transferable skill of what I learned in photography and applied it to a different medium. And you can apply layering and writing. You can apply layering in a whole bunch of creative outlets. And that idea, you know, I learned that way back when. And what's great about being a skill-minded person as opposed to an institutionally-minded person is you're constantly in collect mode and you can keep leveraging them. The the smart thing to do is to leverage them in a way that gets a good return. And that's where I think I've failed in the past is I wish I had been less concerned with what am I, you know, what do I like or what are my preferences and been more concerned with, gosh, I have some serious skills here. Why don't I put them to work in a scalable way and get a better return? And I feel like later in life as, you know, I've kind of hit my forties, I'm beginning to think through like, oh, wow, there's a lot of clever ways to do this. And I'm, I'm after them right now. And, and it's, and it's fun. Like, but it's not fun because they're fun. It's fun because I'm, I'm good at them. Right. And I think if anything, I keep saying it over and over again, I, I hate that I'm being redundant, but I just hope the listeners can hear the value in deepening 
what you're great at more than feeling great about what you're doing. That will get the better return. Great way of putting that. And that's, that's, that's just an interesting way of looking at it. Cause I think, you know, so many times we're just told, you know, um, uh, figure out what you love to do and figure out what you're passionate about and, and how those things translate into a career. And yeah, there's absolutely some truth and some value to that. But I also like the, what you're saying is instead of going wide on something and I'm going to be the person that is mediocre at a bunch of things, I'm the jack of all trades, but the master of none, but I'm going to pick a few things that I'm going to really go deep and I'm going to be a go-to resource on this thing thing or this topic or this skill set that really I can use to help benefit and help the world and, and help other people. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and so funny, like every, I've written two books. I'm really happy about them. Really pleased. They're written to photographers about identity and vision. And, and every time I recommend somebody else's book, they go out and buy those books. And I, I encourage you to do that. They never buy my book. So if you're going to go buy the book I'm about to recommend while you're at Amazon, pick up mine. I won't be hurt or offended. <laughs> but I can't recommend enough this, this book, Cal Newport's So Good They, they Can't Ignore You. The, the title of his book comes from a Steve Martin quote. And the idea is simply, Steve Martin got asked at a Charlie Rose interview, what advice do you give to the young, the young comedic actor? Like that, and he, he basically says, well becomes so good they can't ignore you. And it's such a brilliant phrase. Like if you're having trouble getting Twitter followers or you're having trouble, you know, getting lead gen or qualifying people or whatever, like here's a quick way to alleviate that. Becomes so good they can't ignore you. <laughs> and all of a sudden it's not about how do you manipulate a system to get more Twitter followers? How do you find a shortcut? It becomes people will be breaking your door down. How do you put yourself in that position? And as I'm waking up to that as a reality, I see the truth in what is being said. And I'm able to take my background, regardless of what you come from, and I'm beginning to kind of orient it towards that as an end goal. And uh, all of a sudden, you're less anxious about checking likes and what people are thinking or saying, and really about how is this? This is just great feedback. And how can I make something that's even more valuable to the world? Well, let me ask you this then, because I think there's a lot of people that may be listening to this. And I think you would qualify for this. I feel like I, I qualify for this in some ways, that the type of people who were good at a lot of different things. And if we really set our mind to it, we could probably be really good at, at so, some things and just kind of have that ability to, like you said, to, to learn and that fascination with education and learning. So how do you, if you've got, you know, if you're looking at the, the, the spectrum of your skill sets, you've got five, 10 different things that you're pretty good at and things that they could translate into a living or to a career. How do you really narrow down? Like these are the one or two or three things that I really want to go deep on. And these are the things that I want to, I want to be known for and significant for. That is such a great question, Grant. I, I am in perpetual um, arguments with myself about that question. <laughs> I think a friend of mine named Jeff, he, he says that uh, the enemy of great is good. Right. And the trick in my mind is to decide what do I want to be great at? And in my mind, some of the ways to kind of compare skill sets and decide which are more important is the longevity of the skill set. I read another great book that I've read recently is um, Anti-Fragile by Nassam Tlaib. And He's this guy that suggests that like, if you're going to, uh, well, I won't get into it. Go look up Antifragile. It's a great little book. So I'll just jump to the conclusion here. The idea is simply, if you want to measure the value of a technology, and in our case, as we're talking, you could say you could substitute skill set instead of technology. Measure it not by how cool or clever it is today. Measure it by how long lasting it is. Like that it can't be interrupted. So as I kind of took that filter and considered my skill sets, I thought about things like photography. I thought about things like writing. I thought about things like storytelling. I realized that core to a lot of these 
ideas are words, like putting words together. So if you think of like the internet, it's sure there's videos and sounds on there, but and pictures, but there's a lot of words. How does it get indexed? Words. How do people, what's the highest level of authority and esteem we give to people in our culture? Well, we give it to authors. And that means that as a technology, as a skill set, writing, I think, is absolutely core. So this last year, for example, I've been spending the bulk of my time trying to become great at writing. And that's no small chore. It is hard right. to be a great writer. I'm awake enough to great writers to realize I have plenty of headroom. <laughs> but I also would say I'm a lot greater at writing than I was six months ago just because I wrote a thousand words every day for the last six months. And that might sound like a little thing, but I promise you, if any of your readers decide that they're going to commit to anything in a substantive way every day for six months or a year, they will become so much greater at that thing. My encouragement is to pick a skill set that will have lasting power, lasting impact, will give you things like autonomy, will give you things like authority in our culture. And things like writing as a core piece to that, I think, are, are critical. Yeah, and um, I, I like what you said, too, about those, a few of those examples that you gave of things that are universally and then just widely accepted as a skill set. So you, you mentioned you know, photography and storytelling and writing. These aren't things that are just passing through. And they're just, <laughs> you know, like, like they've been right. here for like thousands of years, you know, like in some, in some, you know, writing and storytelling, but, but these are things that, that aren't just like, well, Hey, this is the new gadget or gizmo or app that's cool today. But it's like, no, no, no. Like if you really know how to tell a story through a picture, if you really know how to tell a story through words, like that's the type of thing that can be translated into a career or into anything that you do in life for your entire life. So I think there's such, such value and truth to that really honing in on this is the thing that I really know how that translates into a career, what that looks like in the context that that plays out within could look a million different ways, but it gives me that freedom of options to choose. That's right. Well, it's, it's funny. Like when we think about the heroes, like the, one obvious hero of our age is talked about a lot is, is Steve Jobs, right? And what did Steve actually do? Well, he got insanely curious about what could be. Uh, that's a skill set. Like being great at being curious can get you a lot of money in a lot of places. Uh, telling a story, well, what was he famous for? His presentations, his pitches, the way he would cajole journalists into telling it his way. And he was hyper-controlled about how he would make his presentations and became famous for, oh, one more thing. And he'd come back and he'd tell us about the right. iPod or something. Right. Um, and what is that? That's, that's storytelling. And whether it's visual, like with a picture, or something even more visual than a picture is auditory. Like as we're talking and describing these things, all of your listeners came up with all these visual cues, even as they're driving down the freeway or they're running, doing their workout. They, they pictured ideas as we are talking about these things. And so audio becomes a, a visual medium. It's powerful. And what is words? Well, words together with an arc of a story, that does the same thing again. If you know how to do that well, you have serious like credibility and job stability in the, in the workforce. And it's available to you if you'll leverage it, if you'll put it in the best possible position to win. But a lot of folks, they don't see their world through the skill set lens. They th see their world through, I'm going to get picked by somebody else. How can I make my resume attractive so I get chosen? And I just think that's backwards. And I'm not alone. There's plenty of folks who encourage people to pick yourself. <laughs> sure, sure. No, that's absolutely true. You know, and just giving ourselves permission that I'm not dependent on someone else to select me. And I'm not just uh, sitting on the sideline waiting to get picked for the big game of life. But in some ways, like you're saying, waiting, instead of waiting to be picked, I'm going to 
create my own team or I'm going to start my own game or just feeling like I bring something to the table. So instead of putting all my eggs in the basket of someone else where they're in control, just staying in control of my, of my own destiny, my own story and where my life is going. That's right. And, and that happens both within a company and outside of it. Like I have a hunch, one of the challenges I think of folks listening to what you're sharing, they're doing that. It's a fantasy. Okay. Meanwhile, right under their nose are themselves and they have skills that they could leverage right now and make their job experience radically better because they would be seen as the best in class in that category. Where exactly where they're working right now. And wouldn't it be cool if you could do your job so easily because you were such a master at it that let's say instead of having a 40 hour week, you had like Tim Ferriss talks about all the time, more like a four hour week where it took like four hours of serious work at that job, but you got compensated like it was 40 hours because you're bringing that much value to the table. Wouldn't that be worth a little bit of effort? For sure. And if you, and if you did that and you've now reclaimed 36 hours of your life, now what do you want to do to get masterful at something? Wouldn't that be interesting? That's the kind of trajectory I'm talking about where you don't have to quit your day job. You don't have to put your family in jeopardy, but you could build skill sets slow but sure. And I promise you in five or 10 years, if you really committed to it, and that might sound like a long time to some people, it's not. I have kids <laughs> that I feel like just got born who are going to high school now, and I'm freaking out how quickly that happened. <laughs> time happens very, very quickly. But I also look back with regret on like, what didn't I invest in? And now as I'm awake to it, I'm after it. Like I am choosing the skills that I will make my own and, and I will master them. They are mine. Hey, you're just hustling. You're just going at it. <laughs> well, and I'm not alone, but like I think of... um when I was in college, I had this buddy of mine, he played basketball, incredible basketball player. And this is not uncommon, but he had this mantra of like, if I'm not practicing, there's another kid from my neighborhood. He happened to be in this urban context. He's like, there's another kid in my neighborhood who's practicing when I'm not like, I want it more than him. I'm right. going to impose my will on this life. So I get the life that I want. And that's what we're talking about here. This isn't for like, like kitty corner here. This right. is like, if you want to like seriously have a life, get off your ass and have a life, like get yep. after it. Yep. And, and it doesn't, no one's going to hand it out to you. But that said, what's amazing is people will hand things to you when you provide that kind of value, when you're a giver, not a taker. And, and this is why getting off of the passion mindset and getting onto the craftsman mindset is so critical because a passion mindset is basically saying, I want to do things that I'm interested in, that I like. A craftsman mindset is, no, I'm committed to this because I'm a pro. And because I'm a pro, guess what? I start enjoying my life. Totally different approach, to radically different result. Yeah. Such great thoughts, man. Really, really appreciate you sharing not only your story, but just some of those just mental shifts that you've made. And uh, that, that I think I'm going to chew on that one. That, that's That's got me thinking and got my wheels turning. And hey, I if think I, it, if, I'm a, if I'm making Grant think for a minute, uh, <laughs> this is a good day right now. This is a good day. I don't know. I don't know about that. It doesn't, it doesn't take much to make me. There's not much going on up there. <laughs> hey, I know you've got a few different irons in the fire and a few different projects you're working on, and especially one for writers. I, I consider myself as someone who I see the value of writing. Um, I know I should be doing it. It's tough. You know, when you sit down and you're staring at a blank screen and you just don't even know where the words are supposed to come from or what you're supposed to write, and I'm just supposed to puke some things on the page that are going to make sense or mean value, bring value to someone else. It's just, it's tough to know, but I know that again, writing is one of those skill sets that can be valuable to a lot of different people in a lot of different contexts. I know you've been working on a tool that can really help people like myself and probably so many people listening with this challenge of writing. So tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. Okay. So here's the deal. What you're describing is absolutely true. I think a lot of folks, they fall into like one of three categories. Either they're a writer who doesn't write, like they're that guy who 
just as great. Like they know there's something in them to write. They feel bad that they don't blog. They feel bad that they haven't like written the great American novel or short story on medium or whatever. And, and they're like, I wish I could, I wish I could. And they're kind of gesturing towards it. They say someday I'll write. If you're in that category, this conversation is for you. If you're also in the category of like, I really want to leverage writing for my business. Like I want to, I want to write and build a tribe like Seth talks about and enroll people in this great value prop that I want to sell, but you just don't have any time. How are you going to write when you're so busy running a business? If you're in that category, this is relevant to you. Or let's say you've written something in the past and it was such a painful process to format everything in Microsoft Word. You're just overwhelmed. You're tired and you don't want to go back and do it again. And I think that's more to what I think you're speaking to, Grant, is you've done so much of this kind of work. It could just get tiring after a while, right? Right. right. And, and I think regardless of where you come from is, if any of those things are motivating you, it could be too painful to write or you can't envision it. You don't know what you're going to say. You're not sure if it's valuable for people. I have come to the belief that there's ways to call the bluff on people and remove the friction between you and just getting the words done. Uh, the challenge in that, though, is so many people write so many different ways. I didn't want to come up with a solution that was so rigid that you had to write a certain way to make it work. And I know this. So instead, I came at it from a principle approach and said, what are the core ingredients of every good piece of writing? And and how can I invite people to consider this as a as kind of steps or, or pit stops along the way that if you sat down and hit these eight pit stops every time, not only would your writing get incredibly better, not only would your time be more efficient if you could leverage the right tools and so forth, but what if you could actually fall in love with writing, like have a love affair with it? Like you wake up in the morning and you go, I cannot wait to write. Well, that was my goal on a personal level. And as I put together this kind of system, this I call it a daily method for writing, and it's over at weavewriter.com. I thought, I want to just share with people what I've learned. Like, what if, I, what if I put together a cool little packet for people to go get and take advantage of so that they could enjoy the same kind of freedom that I have through writing? And I write about a thousand words every single day. I love it. I look forward to it. No kidding. And it just took a little bit of thoughtfulness to put together a, a system for me to do that in, in a way that was enjoyable. And I found that other people have too. And I want to share it more and more. So we put it all together. And you can find out all about it over at weavewriter.com, W-E-A-V-E, writer.com. Beautiful. And we will uh, we'll definitely link up to that in the show notes. Where else can people find out about you, who you are, what you do? If we want to connect with you online, where do we go? Yeah, thank you. Dane Sanders on Twitter and pretty much everywhere else, easily found on the Google. But the easiest way to interact is uh, just reach out via Twitter. I'd love to say hi. I love that you call it the Google. <laughs> that was nice. All right, Dane, appreciate the time, man. Appreciate you sharing your story, your journey with us, some of those lessons along the way. I think, again, all of us, we're going to be spinning and chewing on the uh, uh, learning to master skill sets rather than just chase enjoyment. So really good stuff, man. Thanks, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me on, Grant. All right, man. We'll talk soon. All right, there you have it. Episode 21 with Dane Sanders. Hope you enjoyed that. As always, you can find all the links and show notes, everything that we discussed and talked about in today's show, you can find at grandbaldon.com slash Dane Sanders. Hey, a couple of other things before we wrap up here. I know uh, I've mentioned it to you before, but thanks so much for all of the, the feedback and ratings and reviews that you've left in, in iTunes. That really, really means a lot. We got this, uh, this five-star one the other day on iTunes. It says, great podcast, great energy and topics. One of the more engaging nonfiction shows that isn't gut-richingly produced. So thank you for that. Uh, coming from a user named Turbo Adventure. So if you are Turbo Adventure, a Turbo T Adventure, you get a little middle initial there for the T. 
Thanks for that feedback. Uh, you can leave us a review or rating. If you're digging the show, you can go to grantbaldon.com slash iTunes. Any feedback and support that you leave, I read every single one of them. It really, really means a lot. Helps me to know that people are, uh, are listening and uh, digging the show, and, and it helps them to know that it's making a connection with you. Hey, also, I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, you can go to grantbaldon.com slash questions to download what are the five questions you should ask yourself to help you find and do work you love. So uh, I'd encourage you to swing by, check that out, grantbaldon.com slash questions. Hey, one final thing. Uh, I mentioned it to you a couple weeks ago, but uh, we are taking on a few select coaching clients. We've had several people email and and say, hey, I'm going through a transition or I'm wanting to do some speaking. I'm wanting to start a podcast. I'm doing something right now that I could really use some outside perspective on. So if you are interested in in, uh, working with us as a coach, I'd encourage you to go to grantbaldon.com slash coaching and uh, you can get lots of info there or just email me, grant to grantbaldon.com. Let me know what you're pondering, chewing on. Let's figure out if coaching is a fit for you, see what we can do to help you Again, find and do work that you love. All right, that wraps up episode 21. We'll be coming at you again with episode 22 shortly. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so, so much for going along with us and uh, hanging out on this journey. We will come at you again real soon. Peace out, Girl Scout. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.